0: Good afternoon and welcome to our show, We're Talking Golf. My name is Douglas Meta and I'm your host. Now how many times have you watched a PGA tournament and come Sunday afternoon, the player who's holding the trophy aloft is often flanked by his wife and children. In their remarks, they thank their spouses and the members of their team, whether it be caddies, coaches, trainers or parents. It happens so frequently that we have gotten to know the names of many of these people. In today's episode, we will be joined by Janet Thompson. Janet has authored a book that looks at the golfer's wife, sharing her experiences as the wife of an avid recreational player. But it is not just a book about her experiences. She interviews women who are married to professional players, players that you will know from watching golf on a regular basis, players like Jason Day, Peter Jacobson, Curtis Strange, D.A. Webring, Mark Lye, Charlie Hoffman, and Brent Snedeker. While the golfing public is far more familiar with the stories of the husbands, Janet's book introduces us to the other half of the partnership, the women that coordinate much of their husbands' lives, coordinating the family life, and sharing in both the emotional highs and lows. In many cases, these very same women are actively participating, if not leading the charitable foundations set up in their names or in support of their causes. But before we get to our guest, we will take a very short break, so please stay with us. BMW iX is
1: electricity in its ultimate form, an elegant trailblazer that's equal parts power and intelligence. With impeccable interior details, a range of up to 324 miles, and a panoramic moonroof for every shade of luxury. electric and 100% BMW. BMW, the ultimate electric driving machine.
2: Legend has it that in the great storm of 1781, John Jameson lost a barrel of his beloved smooth whiskey. He said goodbye to the crew and went in after it. In hindsight, that probably wasn't a good idea. Weeks later, a funeral was held. All of Ireland was in attendance, including John Jameson and his smooth-tasting whiskey.
3: Please remember to drink responsibly. Welcome to our show. We are proud to announce that We're Talking Golf has been recognized as one of the top 40 podcasts to follow in 2021 for PGA and LPGA golf coverage. Today's show is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We are produced by The World of Golf and you can find us on the World Wide web at www.worldofgolf.org or on our social media channels of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and now on LinkedIn. For those of you in Asia and elsewhere, you can also follow us on Weibo and WeChat. Now, back to our show. Here is your host, Douglas Mader.
0: Welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is Janet Thompson. She's the author of The Golfer's Wife. Janet lives in Florida with her husband, Steve, where they enjoy golfing, hiking, biking, and spending time with their grandchildren. Janet is joining us via Zoom from her home in Florida. Welcome to the show, Janet.
4: Oh, thank you, Douglas.
0: Yeah, we're very pleased to have you and uh, glad you could be here with us. Let's get right into this. I want to ask you, uh, what motivated you to write a book on golf?
4: Hmm. Well, I um, knew a lot of wives or other significant others would relate to being um, with a person in golf. And it was my hope that by sharing my story that I could help other people navigate um, through the course. And it's definitely very challenging. Maybe take some tips that I have um, that I've learned along the way and important lessons uh, to enhance their lives and make it easier. And instead of going the hard way that I went.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. You mentioned it being a hard way. How did you, um, what are some of those hard uh, experiences or experiences that you refer to as being hard and difficult?
4: Well, I think. um the experiences difficulties i learned firsthand when my husband played golf on our honeymoon and i realized he, you know he was really good at the sport but at the time when he took the first swing i thought oh this looks like fun i should play um and then i didn't realize that um it was really a game that required a lot of skill not only physically but mentally it was huge mentally
0: did you have a since then that, um, golf was going to become a really big part of your life?
4: Um, you know what? I was still newly married. I had no idea. Big surprise, you know, very, very challenging. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Uh, so Janet, at what point did you decide that you wanted to write a theme about, um, women's golf i mean being the golfer's wife and sharing your experiences i mean was there any sort of event or a point in in time or in life that you thought you know what i've experienced a lot i I should write a book about this
4: well actually yes um i um you know it probably it's probably been in the works for over 13 years and it was um my story that i started like 10 years ago and then i I would just get up in the morning because it was frustrating. Um, I didn't know exactly that this was going to turn into a book. I felt like there wasn't anything like it on the market to help me. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm going through the same thing and I talked to so many other golfers, wives, um, I'm thinking like, this should be written. And then just it progressed, you know, into this idea and, Finally, I just did it. And then we added on the professional golfers' wives.
0: How did that come about that uh, you decided to approach uh, the wives of some of the professional players?
4: Um, You know what? After I kind of wrote my story, um, I felt like there should be something more. And since watching golf on TV, I realized that I wonder what went on in their lives. And so I talked presented my idea to a friend of mine, and she loved it. Her name was Sue Ray. And she set me up with my first professional golfer's wife interview. And then from there, the others just came into the book.
0: Well, that's a neat story there. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you mentioned um, your honeymoon. Mm-hmm and your husband Steve picking up a golf club and uh playing golf on your honeymoon. That might sound strange to others, but anybody who's married to a golfer or has golf in their life would not be surprised at that at all.
4: Yeah, no. Well, he he had told me that he said, "Oh, it's a beautiful day. You could ride in the cart." And I thought, "Oh, okay, a chance to see the, you know, the beauty, of the nature, you know." And then I, you know, I saw him and he just like, bam. And the the caddy was really impressed. We were in Cancun, Mexico, and it was just like, you know, one thing after another. And I was like, oh, this looks like easy. I think I could do this, you know.
0: Prior to meeting your husband, did you ever have cause to pick up a golf club or was that kind of your introduction to it?
4: Um, well, actually my brother, John, he was a caddy, um, we lived across the street from the Hinsdale golf course in near, you know, Chicago, Illinois, and he would come home with boatloads of money and a lot of funny stories. And being, I was, I'm one of seven children. So, you know, money was always tight and we didn't belong to the country club, but he caddied there. So we just come home with these stories. And I think the idea never came across my mind. I mean, we could pick up a tennis racket, but not a golf club. I mean, you needed to belong to a club or, or, you know, have some parent influence. And my dad was not a golfer.
0: So your experience with golf was uh, your brother?
4: Well, brother just, but caddy, but then I had no idea. And I think my brother played a little bit then as a caddy, but nothing, you know, was brought home to us, you know, to teach us.
0: Right, right. I grew up on a golf course as a kid too, so ah. um, that was our summer activity. And uh, I'm sure your brother would have had little stories and things he could share even more so about life as a caddy. And the
4: Oh, yeah. Some you can tell and some you can't.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> Is it a fair assessment, um, Janet, to say that you decided to pick up the sport because it was a way of... Being able to share an activity with Steve?
4: Oh, abs- absolutely. Um, you know, as newly married and you, you know, wanted to do more activities together and bond over, um, I said, sure, I can try. You know, and he actually even built me my first set of clubs because um, that was kind of became a little hobby of his. And, um, you know, I would try. He he was very good teacher, usually husbands and wives have this little battle going on whether or not you should take lessons from your husband but um Steve is very patient um I think the problem came once we um joined a club that we saw other people and he's like say to me you know enough about another friend of mine would like oh so and so swing is natural and I'm like what's mine you know <laughs> like it was like am I you know so unusual and so I really tried to really, really tried hard. And, and I still, yesterday we played in fact, you know, so it's a continual, you know, one day you love it next day. Not so much.
0: What's your most memorable experience of playing golf with your husband?
4: Oh, the always, always the time that I beat him on a hole straight up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, very so memorable.
0: Ah, uh, great. Great. So that's kind of like, uh. Local bragging rights in the family.
4: Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Do you play a little games with your husband about that in terms of, okay, if I, uh, for every hole I beat you? um, Oh, back
4: back rubs. Back rubs. Yes. Yes. We do that all the time. Yeah. You got to rub my back tonight. You know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, no, no big wages. Every once in a while, we'll throw out some money, and he, you know, it's kind of like a joke about the money issue. But you know, nobody bets big. You know, we're reti- we're retired for the most part. Mm-hmm.
0: So I was going to say, perhaps uh, the most extravagant would be who's buying lunch.
4: Oh yeah, no, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you ever play with your husband in terms of uh, keeping score with strokes, handicaps, and things like that? We
4: do, um, but usually. Um, If I'm playing like good on a hole, obviously I know what I'm getting, but if let's say I've dropped a ball because I knew I could hit it better and I kind of, you know, fudged a little bit and I'm not counting the strokes and we're not playing with anybody, then um, he'll kind of tell me the score because he's so good at playing competitively that he already knows my score before I can even go back to beginning stroke and count it. He knows it you know, and I might say, oh, I got a seven on that hole. He goes, well, you kind of got an eight or an eight, you know, or you got a nine. And I was like, well, I wasn't counting those two that I hit in the woods, you know.
0: You mentioned in your book, uh, Janet, about um, playing for fun. It's obviously not a competitive sport. It's It's intended, your participation with Steve is intended to be spending time together, enjoying each other's company, being outside, enjoying your surroundings. And a little bit of the uh, the couple camaraderie that goes on. How important was it to you, and it still is to you, in terms of having the ability just to relax the rules, that you're here for fun, that it's not about, you know, you didn't mark your ball properly, You, you know, that's a stroke penalty or things of that nature.
4: Well, I know I could always do it with my husband. It's when you start to play with other people, and then it's kind of like, oh, I guess I really should keep score. like And and so it depends who you're playing with. And obviously, I was in a nine-hole league. I was briefly in an 18-hole league. So keeping the score, and you want to be honest, because golf club is a game of integrity. And it's, but when you're so frustrated that you want to focus in on okay, this is how I'm hitting. I have to stand correctly. I have to get the swing path. It is so, correct, you know, correctly. And it's, it's not a natural motion. You know, walking is natural. The golf swing, you know, it's not natural. So you're focused on other things other than keeping that, that number in your head. And so I think if you bend the rules a little bit, you can make it more fun, but then you have to tell everybody like, hey, you know, I might keep my score, I might not, and they'll be okay with it.
0: Did you find playing in your uh, nine-hole league? Now, was that a, exclusively for women or was that just for uh, people that were newer to golf? Or
4: um, Well, the nine-hole league is if somebody wants to play golf and they want to just see what it's like, joining a nine-hole league is a great way because they're, usually the a club would have some rules that are more flexible for the nine holers versus the 18 holers. Those are more hardcore, you know, and somebody would start the nine hole and move up to the 18. Um, But when you're in the nine hole league, they do count the strokes, but the good news about that is usually they have a limit. So other than on championship day. So the maximum strokes per hole anyone could take would be like 10 or 11. So that, you could stop as I call it bleeding and move on to the next hole you know because you wouldn't want to write down 15 you know and that's possible that's totally possible if you hit kept hitting them in the pond and but on championship day everything counts so you could get that horrible 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 score and just you know let it psych yourself out and take away all your fun.
0: how was your experience with your playing partners? I, I read in your book a little bit that uh, you talk about those first tee anxieties, which every golfer has when they walk up to the tee with a group they haven't really met before, or even with a group they, even with a group they play with before, just knowing that there's other people watching. How did you? Uh, why don't you explain your experience with that and and the group you play with and and. Um.
4: Yeah, the group that I, I mean, the nine holers that I played with, it, it really got to be fun because we were just you know, we knew each other's game and, you know, it's like we wanted the best for each other. We weren't competing against each other. We were just, it was us in the course. So we're trying to like slay the dragon, so to speak. And everybody, we were cheering each other on if you hit over that pond, you know? And if you got in the pond, it was kind of like, okay, let's try this again. But what I found too, in in the 18-hole league, the time that I was on, I was assigned a um, group that, you know, she was the club championship champion that year, and they had never played with me, and this was the first time going out with them, and they said, "Well, Janet, can't you play a little faster?" And I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, I so would if the ball would advance farther, I could play really fast, you know," and so I was torn between throwing my club at her, or saying something bad, or just trying to, you know, put on that happy face, you know, and, um, but you know what, it was fine, I got through the round, and, you know, ended up having surgery on my elbow two days later, because I like trudged through a little bit of pain, you know, just to finish so that I didn't feel bad, so, so I think it depends, you got to find a group that gets you and can bend the rules till you feel really confident in your skills. That's what I think.
0: Yeah, I understand. Most people that we begin golf, that's where we all start. Mm
4: -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Janet, I want to ask you a couple more questions about this. Did you ever find yourself at a point in your life where you started to enjoy the sport on your own terms? I mean, in reading your book, it was something that Steve's golf initially defined your relationship with golf and that was the lens you started to see it through did you ever at a point arrive at it where it was just you and your passion for golf
4: oh a- absolutely i did um because i wanted to get better just for my own personal benefit so you have to have that drive from within but um i found when i could play the course in the summer at old florida by myself I just felt like I was enjoying the nature and everything else about it. And um, if I didn't hit a good shot, um, let's say one hole, but I knew I could do better, I would just drop another ball down and hit the ball. So all of a sudden I was playing, you know, Nike against pinnacle, against Titleist. And the the most challenging thing was to um, keep track of where the balls went. Because you know, I had of course I had an endless supply in my bag, and but um, that was really fun. And probably the course of you know playing eighteen holes, I'm actually playing like seventy two holes of golf because I'm playing with three balls, you know, or something. Like that. So that was when I felt like, you know, I really, really, really honed my game better. Not that I'm antisocial, but it is it is a fun way to play if you can.
0: I'm, I agree with you completely. You know, I, in your book, uh, in one section, you wrote about the golf becoming a cult-like membership. What I wanted to ask you was, were you ever at a point in time where you felt like you were starting to flirt with the idea of becoming a cult member in golf?
4: Well, when I, when I decided to stay in the nine hole league, join the 18 hole league, And then play one or two days a week with my husband, four days a week. Oh, my gosh, that was a lot of golf. And, um, you know, I I stayed in the 18-hole league really just like one day, and I realized I'm not at that level, and I didn't want that, you know, that hanging over my head or feeling nervousness. So, um, you know, I so then I got out of it, and I I just realized, for me personally, I just really enjoy, you know, playing more with the nine holers and making it more fun, you know, and couples golf to me is the best. If you can do the couples golf and they they make all these different tournaments, that's really, really fun.
0: So a lot of the social aspects of it as well.
4: And and the handicap system, the the handicap system with the dots. I mean, you're on an even playing level. I, you know, give me all the dots on my card because I, I need all that extra help I can get. And that's why. It, I think that makes golfing more fun.
0: Well, I think golf is one of the only sports where you can handicap, where you can handicap. So players of different skill levels can play together on a fairly level playing field and can have a fun time.
4: Now I have to tell you a little story right now about hand, the hand, the word handicap on a golf scorecard. Okay. So I'm walking to this um, bookstore, the media store to pick up some media poster and a girl comes running at to me and she goes, you're the author of this book. And I said, yes. And she goes, I have to tell you, you just wrote my whole life story. I'm getting married in a couple months to a pro golfer. And I was like, what? And she said, yes. And she said, I didn't know anything about golf. She's got a lot to learn.
0: Well, I'm sure she'll learn quickly.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Janet, we're going to take a short break for a couple of messages. And when we come back... Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the book itself and the women of the PGA, some of the women you spoke with and some of the things that uh, you take away from, from that experience.
4: Okay, great. Thank you.
0: BMW
1: iX is electricity in its ultimate form, an elegant trailblazer that's equal parts power and intelligence with impeccable interior details, a range of up to 324 miles, and a panoramic moonroof for every shade of luxury. It's 100% electric and 100% BMW. BMW, the ultimate electric driving machine.
2: Legend has it that in the great storm of 1781, John Jameson lost a barrel of his beloved smooth whiskey. He said goodbye to the crew, And went in after it. In hindsight, that probably wasn't a good idea. Weeks later, a funeral was held. All of Ireland was in attendance, including John Jameson and his smooth-tasting whiskey.
3: Please remember to drink responsibly.
0: All right, we're back. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, We're with author Janet Thompson, who's written a book called The Golfer's Wife. Now... Janet, you feature quite a few professional players' wives or the wives of some professional players, uh, a very impressive list of women. How was it that you came to include, I mean, you briefly touched about it with your friend Sue, but was there a certain thought process that went in mind and and in helping you formulate the ideas of correlating or, or sharing the experiences of the professional wives and the experiences of a golfer's wife?
4: Um, I, I wanted to get a diverse group of golfers' wives, professional golfers' wives to be in the book, and I felt like getting different age groups, um, different levels of the golfers themselves that played, and um, I was really excited. I mean, that was a long process because I only got introduced to the first one, and um procuring the others really was a course of three years of between interviews and getting them some took like six seven months to get um because you had to go through their their manager their publicist etc and then you finally get to them and then they kind of talk to you over the phone and they decide you know hey i like this project and and then go with it and when i interviewed ellie day um, Jason Day was the number one golfer in the world. So I was really excited to get her take on it. And she's, you know, one of the younger women and, um, you know, full of energy. And she really had a great story. And I was so thrilled to have her in the book and along with the others, because you just don't know what goes on behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, terrific. And you do have quite an impressive list of uh, of women, you know. Ellie Day, Jan Jacobson, Mandy Snedeker, and quite a few others. So why don't you um, share with us what your experience was like when you were interviewing these women? I mean, how did you find that process? Um, Was it kind of like interviewing some celebrities in your mind in terms of, oh, wow, I'm excited, and and things of that nature?
4: Well, at first I was really nervous about it because I didn't know how – willing they would be to share their life stories. And, you know, a lot of that is very, very personal. And so um I promised them that I would not publish anything that they didn't approve of, you know, or if they said, hey, Janet, can this be off the record? 100%. So I wanted them to totally trust me and feel they could be candid But if they said something that they didn't want published, then I was okay with it too.
0: What was your experience like when you were sitting down with them? Uh, I take it was most of these uh, interviews over the phone or did you have the occasion to meet any of them in person? Well,
4: actually, um, I had the pleasure of interviewing several of them in person um, and actually interviewing right in my Naples home here. um, Jan Jacobson uh, was one of the first and she came right over to my house and then... um, And it was, you know, an honor. I was a little nervous. I'm I'm on the sixth floor and I'm looking down in the parking lot and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Jan Jacobson. She's walking to see me. So I was kind of um, thrilled and um, just, but they were all so, so gracious and so sincere and they all liked the concept. So I think it just kind of flowed. And then I actually conducted Christy Wybring's interview at the Jacobson's Home uh, Peter Peter answered the door and, and I, you know, I said, hi, I'm Janet Thompson. He goes, hi, I'm Peter Jacobson. I go, well, hi, Peter. Nice to meet you. So it, it just really, really was a really good experience all the way around.
0: Oh, that's, that's a wonderful uh, thing to hear. Let me ask you then, what were some of the things that impressed you most about these women? I mean, you've got a pretty broad demographic group there in terms of age groups. And, you know, as you mentioned players who've different, you know, like you have Curtis strange, who's a two time U S women's U S women U S open champion, you know, to players like, um, Jason day, who's currently still playing on the PGA, Charlie Hoffman and, and players like that. So what did you find? I mean, what impressed you the most about some of these women?
4: Um, you know, I think it was, they're really down to earth, you know? I mean, they have their feet firmly planted on the ground. As uh, Christy had said that to her husband um, in a quote in the book, Um, they opened up and shared so much stuff about their lives and interesting things and funny things. You just, um, I mean, I was almost, I mean I was brought to laughter several times during the interviews because they told me like, you know, hey, I don't like to wear my name badge because people talk around me and then they think I know everything about golf and they're gonna ask me, you know, or or different stories like, you know, that you think you know one thing, but then somebody else has another idea. So I think that's really the key. Um, and so much back and forth phone calls during the process and they became my friends. We're emailing back and forth and sharing some personal pictures. And I'm telling about my grandkids and they're sharing their grandkids or their kids' pictures. It, it's just been a really positive experience all the way around. And, and plus now we're raising funds for all their
0: charities. Yeah, that's a great story. I'd like to ask you, I'll, I'll throw the names of the women out. Can you maybe share a little nugget of your experience or lesson or what impressed you most about the individual in your interview? Absolutely. Let's start with Ellie Day.
4: She's just, um, she's, she's her happiest places when she's uh, country dancing, line dancing and just um, such a good mom. You know, I just see her with her kids and, Gentle soul but fun and energetic.
0: Okay. How about Jan Jacobson?
4: Oh Jan, um she would I would say she's the one person that was actually playing golf when she first when she met Peter. And actually that's kind of how they met. And she has the skill level, you know, at that time when she was first playing, that one time Peter actually had to let her go in a she was playing competitive golf and Peter she couldn't go to Peter's dance and so she's just that giving person also in the sense that she's a grandma but she works super hard at what she does and manages households and family so beautifully
0: okay Lisa Lai
4: um Lisa's um she was my first interview and she has Also, she was interviewed in Perth, and um, her story is is, um, so great with trying to support um, juvenile diabetes type 1. And not only does her husband have it, but her son has it, too. And I see her working so diligently to try to help raise money for that cause, and that's what impresses me about her.
0: Uh, Christy Weibring.
4: Oh, Christy? She, um, she's very fun. And I interviewed her at, at, uh, Jan's house and she, um, also had an experience with, um, childhood cancer. Her daughter had gotten cancer, but now is in remission. Thank goodness. And they started this charity, the Michaela's foundation, give back. And, um, It's a group of dancers actually, even that helped raise more funds for that charity. And just really, really, really a nice person.
0: Uh Stacy Hoffman.
4: Oh, Stacy. Um, she's probably again on the younger younger side and um totally fun. I think one of the funniest stories, she said her child got known because she was known as Claire Hoffman's mom. Not, you know, not Um, you know, man, you know, Stacy Hoffman. And it was funny because she's the one that doesn't like to wear the name badge. And um, she would hear comments on the golf course, you know, like initially Charlie had long hair and she'd hear these comments of like, oh, he, he's a surfer guy and he probably smokes a lot of weed and does all these things. And, and she turns around and looks at the person is like, Hey, I'm his wife, you know, it's like, you, you just get that, that on the golf course, because you never know who you're standing next to when you're watching at a tournament. So I tell people, be careful, be careful what you say, because you don't know who's next to you.
0: And Charlie's, uh, Charlie's well known for wearing his trucker style hats. You know, they, they, they even have a, yeah, I was gonna say, they even have a style called the, uh, Charlie Hoffman style of, uh golf cap
4: (laughs) at one event they actually uh one of um one of his biggest fans dressed up just like him and actually asked to take a picture with charlie so it was kind of a really nice um a nice treat for them to meet somebody that was a really big fan
0: uh mandy snedeker
4: oh mandy oh gosh she um she's really nice um they have um, such a good charity um, in Nashville. And, you know, she's a country girl at heart. You can tell. And even the story of how Brant and her met, it's just uh, really, really heartwarming. She kind of gave up her career to support him. But you know what? It was the like the loving thing to do. And um, a lot of funny stories with those two. A lot of funny stories.
0: And... Last, but definitely not least, Sarah Strange.
4: Oh, Sarah Strange. Um, She was also an in-person interview. And I probably got to know Sarah the best, I think, um, because we did so much editing to her stories back and forth to get it really correct. And um, she definitely um, touched my heart in a lot of ways. Um, You know, she worked so hard to get the Crystal Host Hospice house, um, in to be part of the, um, one of the charities, they actually built it from nothing. And to me, that was so, so impressive. And, um, and then we kind of bonded over breast cancer and a couple of things and she's right in the Naples area. So, um, so when I dropped off her book, her husband was home and I handed it to Curtis and I think he's so proud of his wife too, you know? So really great family.
0: It sounds like uh, there's lots of opportunity on the lighter side to maybe perhaps sit back, uh, crack open a bottle of wine and enjoy some good conversation and discussion. I'm not That's not a stretch, is it?
4: Oh, not at all. Not at all. No, no. It's really, really a fun way to go, you know?
0: Uh, Janet, your book is a blend of your experiences as the golfer's wife and the professional women. Um, owing to the fact that there's a bit of a difference between say, Steve and yourself playing recreationally, and then, uh, these women and their husbands playing professionally, how much of their experiences do you see in your own life and in your own situations? And is there a fair bit of crossover or shared similarity, uh, shared experiences or sentiments?
4: Well, that's, that's what I kind of found, um, through doing this whole process I didn't realize how many similarities there actually are, but it's just on a different scale. Because let's say, for example, I go out and watch my husband play in a golf tournament. And usually it's on the back nine because, you know, I don't want to, you know, make it be uh, so distracting or whatever. But he'll, you know, allow me to come on the last day back nine. And there might be 10 spectators tops watching And then for the professionals, oh my gosh, there's hundreds in the, you know, in the stand. And then there's all this, all the people watching on TV. So they have a lot more, you know, there's the difference right there. But then if you look at the the feelings that I have when I'm watching Steve, of course, I want him to win. Even Even if I don't want to polish all those trophies, I want him to win. And of course, the professional golfer's wives, you know, they want their husbands to win too, but it's their job, it's his income. And so if my husband loses the tournament, it's not going to affect our income, but it does affect theirs. And so that's the difference, right? They're on a grander scale. And then they also have to um you know keep up image so they're constantly being bombarded. And I recall when Jason was the number one golfer in the world and Ellie loved that time, but she said he was being pulled in so many directions. So if my husband wins the tournament, you know, he's not pulled in any direction. I just get bragging rights for a year, you know, but but Jason, here he wins so big and he's being pulled by all this media and they expect him to play every tournament. They expect him to make all these appearances so I don't have to share my husband when he wins, but they do, you know, there's the difference, just grand scale.
0: Makes sense. In your book, you wrote the following. Had she read a book like this before she started playing the game, it would have made a difference in her love hate relationship with golf. How would you, how would things have been different? Had you read your book before or had you known those things before?
4: Um. I probably wouldn't have been so hard on myself in the beginning because I really like felt frustrated. And I know it seems like um, at times, you know, when I was not playing bad, I'm looking for the beer cart girl or to have a drink or something on the course. And it's true. I mean, I, I wanted to just relax and feel calm about it because I knew if I played more relaxed, my shots would probably go, you know, farther and be more crisp. But I think I had to give myself the permission to just like accept my game. And as soon as I accepted the level of my skill, it just made it so much better, you know, and, and knowing, you know, what groups to play with and, you know, you have good days and bad days. Some days you should, you can be hitting, the driver so well, and other days not so well. And you should get the croquet mallet out. I mean, seriously, you know, it's like, what do you do? You know, but like I said, once in a while, everything is aligned. You're putting good, you're driving good, and you get that great score. And that, and then you end up in the bar adding up the scores like I do. And I told myself one day, if I, if I you know broke a hundred, I I could have that margarita at the end of the round. You know, and, and thank goodness I did, you know, (laughs) double check my scoring because golf's a game of integrity.
0: (laughs) And did you, uh, did you set a goal for say breaking 90?
4: Oh, I I don't think that's going to happen unless, unless by, unless by some miracle that I'm playing, um, a miniature golf course.
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to say we have a, there's a bit of a common joke in golf about, um, A golfer shooting 69, the only difference is they do that on nine holes versus
4: 18. Ah, ah, yes, that is true. That is true. Right. Yeah, sometimes my nine hole score is my husband's 18 hole score, which is a little sad, but it's okay.
0: (laughs) But it's good fun.
4: Mm -hmm, Absolutely.
0: Janet, uh, let me ask you, are there any sort of last thoughts that you would like to share before we um, start to wrap up?
4: Um, You know, I would really like to thank my friend, um, Sue Ray, um, because she liked my idea and just kind of was my cheerleader along the way. And also, I'd like to thank um, my editor, Laura Matthews. Um, She was almost like talking to Ellen DeGeneres, um, because she just made me laugh all the time. And her actually voice sounds like hers. So when I first met her, I was like, you know, I was like, who am I talking to? So she just made it fun. And she made golf the writing to make sure my writing could be really read by even a non-golfer. And I think that person would understand golf.
0: Great. Anyone else you might want to, or any other thoughts?
4: You know, I think um, I like, I'm really glad that I was able to give an opportunity for all the professional golfer's wife to choose charities and that they really felt close to their heart. And I'm really, really happy to say that, you know, a lot of these charities, I like a lot, really, really are amazing that you hadn't heard that I hadn't heard about before. And they're all so worthwhile causes that I'm so pleased that anyone that buys the book, um, is actually giving back to these charities.
0: Right. You mentioned uh, that some of the proceeds are going to the charities. Mm-hmm. Are you just dividing that up by, you know, equal percentage or an equal amount to every um, charity?
4: I am. Um, I did the book. My release date is um, April 5th, but um, right now you can get it from the publisher directly amplify. And um and of course, obviously, more goes to proceeds. But then I just took a chance on myself and had um 512 copies mailed to me. And I tell myself, um, if I sell these books, 100% will go to all these charities. So yeah, so I have an accountant. We're keeping track. And then we'll just make that all go to the seven charities.
0: Hmm. You mentioned April 5th. uh, So that's when the... Print copy is going to be available and in stores, bookstores and places?
4: In bookstores, on Amazon, um, Barnes and Nobles, all the major chains will have it. And um, I hope it does really
0: well. Great. Are you planning any sorts of book tours or any other additional speaking engagements, things like that?
4: Well, it's up to my marketing manager, Skye. She's working really hard to get me. Get me some jobs lined up, and I'm excited to do it all.
0: Ah, wonderful. Uh, One other thing I'd like to ask about that. Um, April 5th, that's the week of the Masters. Was that a conscious choice to look at that as a release date, or was that just something that coincidental?
4: Uh, I think think the luck, but um, a little coincidence, I think. Too, because um, originally I was trying to get this book published by Christmas because it makes a really great gift book, but um, we had you know all sorts of supply chains issues with paper shortages and workers and you know this COVID thing on top of everything. So I, you know I'm really glad that it's finally out and people see it and just just lucky. And I hope the Masters will be a great tournament as it always is
0: and a wonderful opportunity to to get it out there while uh, interest in golf seems to be at its highest every year.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think my my color of my book covers the same as the green jacket.
0: <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Wonderful. So, what's next for you, Janet? Um just uh any you're going to do perhaps some uh, public engagements, PR engagements, things like that, but any plans for ideas for another book or anything of that nature?
4: Mm, Oh, stuff is always rattling around in my head. I'm just going to surprise you.
0: Okay. And when's your next playing in any um, mixed social events with Steve?
4: Um, Well, we don't have anything lined up right now. Um, We're going to head back uh, mid-May back to the, um, I'm going to be doing a lot of my other volunteer job in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, So it's the Gundalo Company is a great um, place if you ever get to the New England states in Portsmouth. And that's a nonprofit. And I'm a deckhand there. So totally opposite my golfing. And I'm doing ropes and swabbing the deck and teaching school-age children about the environment and the action and their impact on the environment.
0: Ah, terrific. Terrific. So never-ending list of activities for you.
4: Never-ending. Absolutely. But I do want to thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: Go ahead. Um, Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time, Janet. Um, It's looking like it's a really good read, and we hope that uh, it looks like you're going to have a really great launch as well. So thanks for joining us. That's wonderful. Hopefully, uh, you'll get to play some more rounds of golf. And uh, if we're ever down that way, we'll definitely send you a message and say, hey, let's get out there.
4: Absolutely. You're always welcome on my boat. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks, Janet. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up our show for today. Thank you very much for joining us. And we will see you again shortly. And remember, if you are out there playing golf, try to keep your golf ball on the short grass.
3: You have been listening to our podcast show, We're Talking Golf, produced by The World of Golf. This episode was recorded on Friday, March 25th, 2022. If you have an idea for a future show, please send us an email to info at worldofgolf.org. Please include podcast show in the subject line. This show is the copyright of The World of Golf. Thank you for joining us.